Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives to your own husbands, as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and faultless. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Lord, bless the reading of his word. It is most commonly thought, in fact, I think it's nearly universally thought by nearly everyone that the reason you get married is to have a happy life. How's that working out? So far, so good, Mark? Okay. Okay, very good. That the reason you get married is because having a spouse and a family is a satisfying way to live. And that is true. And that is exactly what Adam expressed in the text we read earlier where God brings Eve to Adam and he says, now that's it. Bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you, Lord. And then Moses says, so, that's why men leave their father and mother and go and find a wife. To this day, 
and to this day. It's a satisfying way to live, but it has a broader, bigger, grander purpose, which we read about here in the book of Ephesians, and which we could have understood in Genesis had we been really watching carefully. And the purpose is it puts on display the love of God for his people and the love of his people for their God. It is a grand exhibit of the gospel message of God's grace to us in Christ. There is more to it than it. The reason you have a wife, a husband, a family is so that God can be made visible in this world. And that is what God said before he even started making Adam, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. To put God himself on display, male and female, he created them. So what is going on in your house is a bigger deal than whatever's going on in your house. Or could be. And so Paul writes, we are to submit to one another out of reverence, out of correct, awesome respect, honor, of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the bridegroom of his people. So last time we read about the image-bearing fruitfulness of marriage. And we saw that the, that the marriage of Adam and Eve, and all marriage henceforth and forevermore, is the foundation of human society, a fellowship of related people, productive in the world God made for them. And we saw that God made Eve to be a suitable partner, the she to his he. He said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make him a suitable partner. And we notice that there's not a single aspect of God's mission for mankind that Adam can carry out alone. And that is why it is not good that he is alone. And that is why God doesn't say very good until he has male and female, he created them. It is then that he says very good. That is the pinnacle of the whole story of creation in the book of Acts is the creation of the human family in the marriage of Adam and Eve. It is that that God, that God declares is the crown of his creative work. What I hope you see here is that your marriage is a big deal.
Human beings are created physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, intellectually, spiritually. They are all of these things. They are persons with real agency like God himself created to find fullness in this covenantal relationship we call marriage. And then to exhibit that fullness as a testimony to the trinity of God. So, bearing all that in mind, let's talk about husbands and two husbands. I guess I want to start by asking you, husbands, how's it going? The text begins submitting to one another in reverence for Christ. And what we have in the following text, the rest of chapter 5 and the beginning of chapter 6, is the various household relationships that existed in the time of Paul where he applies this principle of submitting to one another in the house in the rever- in reverence for Christ and this is to be the attitude of every Christian toward everyone all the time that I am here to exhibit the love of Christ to you and so I will Pay the price necessary for your benefit in whatever way I can find to do so. That's submitting. Voluntarily acting for someone else's benefit at my expense. That's submitting. We have another word for that. Love. And that is the word Paul uses for it in the text for husbands. So, I got ahead of myself. I've got a list of questions. Who, why, what, and how? Who is supposed to submit to whom? Well, everyone's supposed to submit to everyone in the church. This should characterize life in the church. It should be a contest to see who can serve the other. It is upside down from the world's way of thinking. We should just admit this at the beginning. We don't need to try to fit that into the world's way of thinking because it does not fit. It is the reason they crucified Jesus and it is the thing his crucifixion puts on display. Love. So. How are husbands instructed to submit to their wives? Well, before we get to how, let's talk about why. And the reason here in the book of Ephesians is out of reverence for Christ. The word is phobos, fear, to translate it most directly. It is both from and for the exaltation of Christ. It is out of and in order to exhibit the greatness of Christ. It is because I recognize his greatness and because I want you to recognize it when you examine my life. I want you to see Christ's greatness because I have seen Christ's greatness. 
It is for his glory is another way we say this. And reverence for Christ is the realm in which submission makes any sense at all. This life of being submissive to the people around me is stupid apart from the exhibition of this sort of life in Christ himself. The elevation of Christ is the motive and the purpose. Now, husbands do this in the most direct way. They, in their relationship with their wives, they imitate Christ in his relationship to his bride, the church. In their relationship, husband, in your relationship with your wife, you are called upon to exhibit the nature of Christ. Wow. You are not up to that. So, we're going to need to talk about how on earth you're going to pull that off. But you do this directly. She's called upon to exhibit the the faithfulness, the trusting faithfulness of the church to Christ the head, and you are called upon to do the to play the corresponding role of Christ in relation to the church. And so then the Christian family the church, the marriages in the church exhibit the full story of the gospel while they're standing there by the kitchen sink. How they, their style of talking to one another, of their everyday life, And it is in everyday, common, mundane living that this is best exhibited. Marriage is created to illustrate the fellowship of God with his people, the relationship of Christ with his bride. So husbands are called upon to demonstrate the role of Christ, to show, to show what kind of Savior we have in Jesus. Wow. The husband acts as a leader in this relationship. He's the head, like Christ is the head of the church. But like Christ, his leadership is in serving, not lording. So when we recognize the leadership of the husband in this relationship, we are not declaring him to be the boss. We are declaring him to be the leading servant. We're just getting started. His leadership is in serving, not lording. It is described in this text with a single word. And that word is love. Love. Husband. Love your wife. That's what a husband is called to do. Love his wife. 
That is the definition of a good husband. He loves his wife. How you doing? As the saying goes, you have one job. Love. Love your wife. This isn't just any regular old ordinary love. This love is as Christ loved the church. Do you feel the weight of this responsibility yet? This is as Christ loved the church. It is agape. (laughs) That love that flows from the nature of the triune God and is best demonstrated on the cross. Take up your cross and follow me, Jesus said. Husbands, love your wife. Here are some of the qualities of this love. It's intentional. It is something you consciously decide to do. Did Jesus didn't find himself on the cross by accident. He decided to lay down his life for us. It is something you commit to. It is not just an emotional reaction or a strong attraction like it is in the world. It is not something you just fall into. It is love on purpose. It is not something that happens to you. It is something you decide to do. Now, of course, that thing we call falling in love is, not, is a real thing. And it might be a good indicator as to which person you might want to choose for this love, which is way bigger. The second thing I want to tell you about this love is it's unconditional, of course. It is not determined by the nature or the quality of the response or the anticipated response. Jesus laid down his life for people he knew would not receive it. And none of us are very good at receiving it. But it is freely given. It is an act of grace. It does not need to be deserved. So, when we're talking to you husbands, and you say, yeah, but you don't know my wife, and I say, yeah, but I don't need to. Because this sort of love is something you decide to do no matter what she's like. So if you are a young man and you are not yet married, uh, be careful who you choose. Be careful who you choose. The third thing I want to say about this love is it's incarnational. The eternal son shows up in person as one of us. This love involves his whole person, body, emotion, will, intellect, spirit. His whole person is on the cross for you and me. 
And when you show up in person, you pay respect to the personhood of the people you show up for. And so when you, husband, you need to be present in every way. It's incarnational. The third, the, where, are, where are we? I lost count. Sacri- it's sacrificial. This love pays the price. 1 John chapter 4 says, this is verse 9 and 10, if in this the love of God is revealed in us. You ready? In this the love of God is revealed. That God has sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the satisfaction, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. In Romans chapter 5, a famous verse, you might have memorized it, God shows his love. How? God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, his enemies, Christ died for us. Right here in Ephesians chapter 5, it's stated like this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. (laughs) Sacrificial. It's beneficial. In other words, it's not a sacrifice for the sake of showing off what a hero you are. Jesus is our hero, but he didn't die for us to show off what a hero he is. It actually benefits us. It's really a blessing to us. The sacrifice of this love is not for the glory of the sacrifice alone. It actually benefits the one loved that we might live through him, the text says. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, the text says. Or as we read here in Ephesians, God, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And this is the sort of love husbands are to have for their wives. It's a high calling. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. How's it going? The text goes on to spell that out a bit. Our text here in Ephesians, it says, He gave himself up for her. Jesus Christ utterly devoted himself to his bride. You can see this in John 17. The word here is is a word for consecration. And in John 17, he says, he sanctified himself for the sake of his disciples. He set himself apart for them. Earlier in the book of John, we read that the father sanctified the son for the body, the church. He gave himself up. 
He sanctified himself that we might be truly sanctified. And here in Ephesians, that is the objective. He gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, it says. What does that mean, sanctify her? It means that he made the necessary sacrifice to call us to himself. To set us apart to himself so that we belong to him. The church is his bride. He says here, to present her to himself in splendor. In splendor. In glorious purity. Wow. So a husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. Now there's another comparison in this text, starting in verse 28. So husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. And then in verse 28, husbands, in the same way, husbands, you should love your wives as your own body. And then it says, he who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two, those two shall become one flesh. Now, I think you could, provide, you could summarize what this text says a husband should do to love his wife with another word, which is provide. Provide. Nourish and cherish, he says. Like you take care of your own body, take care of your wife. You eat. <laughs> you uh, build a fire. You build a house. You put on a warm coat. You take care of yourself. You, you nourish and cherish your own body. Nourish and cherish your wife. The basic illustration here is just that, of food and shelter. But it's, it's an illustration. It's a principle of provision. Take care of her like you take care of yourself. You are one. You are one. He actually says, if you... Love your wife, you love yourself. You cannot love your wife and not also be loving yourself. So much of our time, we see ourselves as separate persons. But the biblical vision of a marriage is not separate persons. You don't quit taking care of yourself in order to take care of your wife. When you love her, you love yourself. So whatever sacrifice you make to care for her comes back to you. Love your wife as Christ loves the church. And love your wife like you love yourself. Simple, right? So how? How? 
What empowers submission? How do you go about it? How does a husband go about it? Well, first, it's from and for the exaltation of Christ. Let's be clear. You can't do this if you operate only from your own resources. Should I say that again? You literally cannot do this. You simply don't have the same sort of love Christ has unless you get it from Him. So your top, top, top priority is something you could call prayer. Lord, help me. Lord, help me to understand, see clearly, appreciate, live from the provision of your love so that I can participate in that for my wife. This is what chapter 3 in Ephesians is talking about when it's by the strengthening of the spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You become a leading follower. The power comes from the fullness of Christ through the strengthening of the spirit in the inner man. When I'm full of the love of God in Christ, together with all the saints, then this love becomes possible for me. When you know it from him, you can show it to her. Otherwise, good luck. The second thing I want to get, advice I want to give you is make your relationship with your wife a living day-to-day illustration of just how good a Savior we have in Jesus. To do this, you will need to know Jesus. Husband, you need to know Jesus. You. If you are going to be a demonstration of the love of Jesus for your wife. Here's a hard question. Is your wife ahead of you spiritually? Is the church ahead of Jesus? If your wife is your spiritual leader, you have some work to do. If you don't go to church unless she nags you sufficiently, you are not doing this. You might love her the way the world loves, but you are not doing this. If you never crack open a Bible, if she doesn't hand it to you, you have some work to do. Sorry if this is meddlesome. If she's ahead of you spiritually, you're not doing it right. And by the way, wife, you don't solve this problem. You just don't. He's not going to become your spiritual leader by you leading him to do so. 
He's got to hear from the Lord. That's what I hope is going on here. You don't solve this problem also, wife, by moderating your own spiritual life. Third thing. Husband, give yourself up for her. Give yourself up for her. Your life is for her benefit. Your life is for her benefit. Let Christ take care of you. Christ will take care of you using her. That will happen a lot, especially if you do this. Your life is for her benefit. When you are at work, you do so for her. So when you are at work and your lovely young lady colleague is around, you only have eyes for your wife. The reason you are there is to provide for her. Is this practical enough yet? You give yourself up for her. You are dedicated to her like Christ is dedicated to us. And you decide to do so. Now, this might be a way of saying it a little more positively. Live in a way that makes you her hero. Live in a way that makes you her hero. Sanctify her to yourself. You devote yourself to her in a way that leads her to devote herself to you. You make it foolish or crazy for her to think of anyone else. You make it foolish or crazy for her to think of anyone else. You become the person she needs. You do what is good for her no matter what, especially, especially in her spiritual development and her devotion to Christ. Because the best thing you can do for her is help her to know him. You lead her in prayer. You lead her in the study of the scripture. You become her leading theologian. You be her leading servant. You make any sacrifice to help her become magnificent in your eyes. to present her to yourself in splendor. But don't be a shallow idiot. This is all in the context of walk in wisdom. So this isn't just simple-minded, do whatever she tells you. It thinks carefully about what people really need. And it works hard to provide it. 
Walk as wise. That magnificent woman that you want her to be doesn't go with a shallow idiot. Do what you can to bear the cost of her personal growth. All right, now this is serious meddling. Don't mansplain stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Avoid this expression. Well, actually, honey, because this sort of love respects the agency of the person loved. It's about developing her real personhood. It's not just about you know, the sort of pat on the head, mansplaining thing. Well, actually, honey, don't do that. Sorry, that was for free. The next thing on my list is diligently provide for her good. Recognizing that as her husband, you are one. So diligently provide for her. When you provide for her, you provide for yourself. If she needs something, you need her to have it. Now again, don't don't be stupid about this. Think carefully about what is real and what is really of benefit. Husband, think carefully about what she really needs. Of course, she is probably the best available source of information, apart from the Word of God, for what she needs. So pay attention. Pay attention. Correct as necessary. (laughs) Walk as wise. If something is good for her, it is good for you. I'm just quoting the Bible when I say that. If it's good for her, really good for her, then it's good for you, her husband. And you need to have your eyes open for what that is. This is a tall order. Recognize God's blessing to you in providing this particular woman. This particular woman is God's gift to you, her husband. You are fortunate. I'm going to say that again because some of you think otherwise. You are fortunate to have this one. She was given to you by God. She is a blessing to you. You should remember that. And you should especially remember that when she doesn't feel like a blessing today. That is when you really need to remember. When she is just nuts or, you know, or angry or upset or, you know, whatever she is. That's when you really need to remember 
God gave her to me, and I am so thankful. Right in this very text we have already read, giving thanks for everything at all times. Here's something. Those days when she doesn't feel like a blessing are the days when you have your best opportunity to show the sort of love that Christ shows to us. Will you seize that opportunity or will you get wrapped up in yourself? She's a gift to you from a gracious God. She is your suitable partner. She is constructed to complement you. You grow together and husband, you see to it. You see to it. Those days when you're tempted to quit are the days when it's most important that you don't quit. So persist. Persist. Persist in these ways. Here's what I want to encourage you to do right now this morning as a husband or even as a future husband. I want you to say to yourself, I will persist in these ways. Because it is a thing you determine, and you must determine, and you probably will need to be determined if you are going to succeed. Persist in these ways, even on those days when it doesn't seem like a good idea. Those days are your best opportunity to exhibit Christ's love. Those are the days you really, really, really need to pray your head off. Even when she doesn't want respond the way you want, pay attention. Adjust accordingly. Hebrews 10.25 says, Consider one another. Think, 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 think hard about each other. How to stir up love and good works. If you think you would like her to be a little more loving, think how you might stir that up. Think about her. Think about what she needs. Think about how to take care of her, how to nourish and cherish her. Encouraging one another, Hebrews says. <clears throat> it's my observation that in the church, well, in the world in general, we get this upside down a lot. My question for you, if you are a husband, is do you love your wife? Love your wife. For Christ's sake, love your wife. For the sake of the gospel testimony of this church, love your wife. For the sake of the wealth of the fellowship of this church, love your wife. And of course, for her sake, love your wife. God has given, you to her, given her to you.
Here's one, something I observe in this world. Husbands, a lot of the time, they don't want a wife. They don't want a suitable partner. They want a second mom. The text of Scripture is clear. Let go of your mom. And hang on to your wife. And how do you hang on to your wife? You love her. You determine to exhibit the love of Christ to her. You take care of her. You don't sit on the sofa and let her take care of you. You don't make her drag you to church. What a horrible burden to place on a woman. Don't do that. You drag her to church if necessary. I don't recommend that. Husbands often want their wives to nourish and cherish them. Do you want your wife to respect you? Then love her like Christ loves the church. Take care of her like you take care of yourself. Husbands often look to their wives for spiritual direction and leadership in the family. That's an abdication of your responsibility. In your house, who is the greater theologian? I know, I'm asking these really, it's on purpose. In your house, who's the greater theologian? A lot of you husbands have some work to do. Now, this is not the world's model, am I right? It just is not. But it is the model of marriage that glorifies God in Christ by the power of God's Word activated by the power of God's Spirit. So husband, love your wife. Please, love your wife. Father, Thank you for the clarity of your word. <clears throat> Lord, I just, I just want to recognize there's not a single man in this room that can do what I've just told him to do. Not one. Oh, Lord, please strengthen your people by your spirit with power in the inner man so that we know the love of God in Christ. So that Christ dwells in our hearts through faith. So that every husband in this room by the power of Christ and not by his own power might exhibit the love of Christ to his wife. Lord, It would be a powerful testimony to the truth of your word. So we beg you for this deep spiritual work in the men of this church. In Jesus' name, amen.